You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We're in this real life series on Wednesday nights talking about real life. Everybody say real life. Um, We really have no benefit in talking about stuff that's just, you know, religious and theoretical and, you know, just far off. This has to be right where we're at in our life. And that's, that's what I believe our assignment was for Wednesday night all year long. And so if I'm teaching, Alicia's teaching, Pastor Mike's teaching, one of the others is, is teaching that we're, we're going to follow that format, kind of that template ultimately to help you. And then in turn, so that you can help others. And we're talking about real things. This almost could fall under the category of biblical counseling. And uh, I, I believe that the word of God uh, holds the keys, the cures, the answers for, for everything, for anything that, that we would face. And so last week I began talking to you about depression. And I want to continue on that. We're actually going to spend a couple weeks on this concerning depression. Let's start here in Psalm 42, verse 5. I don't have time to go back and review um, what I did last week in its entirety. That would make no sense, would it? Because then we will take all our time to do what we did last. Y'all get that? Psalm 42, verse 5. David is, is writing. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And this word downcast, why are you downcast, is to sink down in a state of depression. And I want you to notice that David is talking to himself. He's asking himself. He's contesting something. He's contending with something. He's not just accepting it. And this is one of the main things I want you to get a hold of concerning, uh, especially depression here, is that you must contest it. You don't just accept it. You don't just say, well, I'm just blue. And grandma was blue and grandpa was blue. And what are you, a smurf or something? You know, it's like, it's like you, you break it at some point and, not, and don't just accept the fact that we're blue, that we're down or whatever. There are causes, there are levels, but there are also cures. Uh, depression can happen on numerous levels. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. Everybody, everybody deals with depression on some level. Some severity, some duration. Yes, sir. And what we want to do is get you to the place where you're, you're dealing with it just nominally and for short duration. And you get out of it. A lot of, a lot of people here, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, uh, a lot of people uh, live like this. You know, and go on and it's like a heart deal. This is not good when it comes to your life. Is it, uh, that's probably good for your heart. I don't know. You're a nurse. Joyce, is this good? No, this is not good. Don't do this. Um, actually, if you chart your life, it should be a little more of a gentle role. So that we can recognize you. I'm serious. What goes up? must come down. And I get real concerned. Honestly, I do. Some people are so, I want to follow them home and watch that crash. Nobody can sustain that. You, you cannot, 
in any, any way. You can't stay. Your life is actually better to be stable. Now, people in, in uh, occupations that, that sometimes run into adrenaline spikes, law enforcement, military, uh, emergency room, uh, rock stars. Seriously, you got these spikes. Very, there's a great tendency then to go down. And you have to be aware of what you do and so forth. And there's so many levels, so many causes, cures, and so forth. And that's why we're spreading this out. Going to take, take a number of weeks on, on, uh, on doing this. But we want to have a little more of a gentle role in our life. And our culture now, everything is going extreme. And, you know, extreme sports and extreme this and, it, you know... People are ramping up even the drugs that they do. I mean, just ev- everything just higher and higher. Uh, and, and it is so dangerous. It is so dangerous that we're constantly thinking that we can live or elevate ourselves up because you, you can't sustain that. And Psalm 91 verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. Hebrews 12, 28 talks about we are receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and unshaken, unshakable rather. And so there's much to be said for stability. Now, we don't want a flat line either. How many of you know you should have some excitement? Hello? I mean, I don't want y'all to say, I'm not going to show any excitement. He's going to think, no, 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 I'm not saying that. But let's move on. Uh, we did talk about this last week that you are to arise, you are to contest, you are to contend with, with, uh, depression. Don't just allow it there. You, you don't just walk through. I'm just, I'm just down today. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And I'll talk a little bit more about it in a moment. Uh, you need to, you need to contend for whatever you're redeemed from. So, um, that being said, self-talk is a huge thing. I spent some time on that last week. David right here is saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? He goes on to say, hope in God. I love the living Bible there. It says, uh, expect God to act. So it does you good to kind of pep talk. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. In uh, the Psalms also, at one point, David said this, return unto your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. It's like a holy inventory. It kicks you into gratitude to think, you know what? No, no, I I don't have to feel this way because God is good to me. And God has been good to me. And God has got me through this and this. And so whatever's pending, he will get me through that. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And you cause your soul, your will, your intellect, your emotions, where you think and feel and decide. You've got to get those things back into a restful place. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that is the battlefield. Look at me. Listen to me. That's the battlefield. Uh, Joyce Meyer has a a book and now a second book. I can't remember the second title right now, but, and also some devotionals on the battlefield of the mind. And and it's the soulish area of you. That is where you're, you're going to win or lose. You hear me? In, in how you, where your emotions are, where you think and where you feel and where you decide right in there. That's, that's where the battle will be waged 
for your daily victory, for your daily victory. And you might be signed, sealed, and ready to be delivered to heaven. You know, you're in, family of God, fully redeemed. But I'm telling you what, that daily victory that Jesus paid a heavy price for you to enjoy, you're going to have to learn to fight that out, battle that out, know where you are, know who you are, understand what you have right there in the spot of your soul. And one of the things you have to do is direct your soul and speak to your soul. And stop saying, well, it's Monday and I'm down and I'm always down and nothing goes right for me and blah, 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 blah. You know, don't. Why would you cooperate with the enemy of your soul? Never let your own mouth speak against your own hope. Amen. All right, let's get into some things. I want to get into three areas that um, we have to deal with concerning uh, depression. And let me go ahead and make sure we're all on the same page here. And I just want us to be honest. This is not a house of condemnation. Okay. This is a house of grace and peace, truth, house of love. uh, And all those things come together. It can be a house where we grow and we get free. But we need to all acknowledge that everybody to some level and duration deals with depression. Y'all here? Okay. And... We don't give in to that. Notice I said we deal with that. But you need to know and not feel condemned. Listen to me. Don't feel condemned. Um, I have noticed for, the year, for a number of years that believers will hide the fact that they're, they deal with it. And uh, you don't. This is real life. You don't have to hide about this. You can get with somebody and say, pray for me. Help me. Sing to me. Play the harp and bring me a Slurpee. I've found those two work good for me. But, uh, but you know, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. And uh, I just want to hopefully share three uh, areas tonight. The first would be this uh, regarding depression, sin. How many of you have ever heard of sin? Okay. And by this, I mean disobedience and guilt. Um, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 65, referencing nations that refuse to serve God. Okay. It says this, and among those nations, you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes and anguish of soul. Who's that to? It's to people that won't obey God. Uh, We have so much scripture on this. There is no rest for the wicked. You know, as the water keeps churning up the bottom of of the ocean, so to speak, the same is true for those that are wicked. What does wicked really mean? Let me give you some root words, okay? A candle has a what? a wick there is also furniture made out of straw that is twisted that is called wicker and what wicked really means is it's twisted and so somebody that's why we're to not give into the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked because it may start at the right place but it's twisted somehow it's twisted And if you try to, and that's what Satan started in the garden, was trying to twist. Did God really say that he he didn't really mean that? You know, he tried to twist 
what God says. And whenever you start to twist what, what is pure and true, it is no longer pure and true. It's twisted. It's wicked. And so there is no rest. There is no peace. And, and this verse brings it out. There's, there will be anguish of soul. Um, and, and we're really going to spend some time in the fall looking at our soul. It's just, this is huge. And probably Sunday mornings we're going to hit this big because, um, well, for reasons we've already talked about here. Now, depression is not always a, ro- a result of sin. Get this. Depression is not always a result of sin, but sin will always depress you. Okay, you might be dealing with some levels of depression and it's not sin connected. Okay, you may be going through some grief or loss. You may have something that's happening happening uh, chemically in, in your body. There may be, you know, a number of other sources that that these things may be. So depression is not always the result of sin. But I want you to understand this. But sin always causes depression. Always. There's going to be some kind of level of that. In Hebrews, we read about the pleasures of sin are passing. They're fleeting. Um, so it's, there is, why do we even involve ourselves in sin? Why do we even consent to temptation? Because we think somehow it's going to make something better. It's going to make us feel better. There's going to be some kind of thrill with this. And after a while, we're going to wise up to this and we're going to realize no, no, that, that's just a ramp that's going to lead to a cliff. And so, um, what again, what goes up is going to come down. But you've got to know that the pleasure of sin, what sin promises you, is fleeting. It's passing. It's just for a short season. And so it may say that it's going to elevate something, but it's going to cause always in the end, sin will always depress you. The commands of God, everybody say the commands. Now get this, this is life-giving, what I'm about to tell you here. The commands of God, which are, which are what? Don't do this and do this. Now don't make those religious. Don't, don't make that just, you know, so rigid and, and whatever. No, God tells you to do some things and he tells you don't do some other things. Why does he do that? Because his commandments are not grievous, they're not burdensome. He said... If you'll keep, if you'll obey my commands, you will live. Y'all here? And so the commandments, get this. If you get nothing else tonight, get this. The commandments show us what gives us life and what takes life away. So if I do what he says to do, and if I don't do what he says don't do, that gives me life. But if I do what he says don't do that, or the other one, That takes life away. Y'all here? Okay, I have limited capacity. I'm happy though. Um, So the commandments show what gives life and what takes life away. So when we sin, get this now, when we sin, it takes life away. And you're going to feel that. You violate what God says. He says, don't do this and you go ahead and do it. Guess what? You violated that. That takes life away. And listen to me. You're going to feel that. He says, do this. And you go, I'm not going to do that. Guess what you did? You violated that. That's going to take life away. And you're going to feel that. So when we sin, when we 
go contrary to his commands. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. It's not busy work. It's not a religious checklist. He gave us his commandments because he loves us. He's saying this, you do this and you'll live. Gives life, it takes life away, depending on how you, how you respond to it. So it's so important because if, if I go contrary to what God said, then that's sin. I missed the mark and you are going to feel that. You cannot carry the guilt of disobedience and still experience the full joy of salvation. Did you know there's a joy with salvation? Did y'all know that there's joy that goes with salvation? Yes, amen. St. Augustine said believers should be a hallelujah from head to toe. When we realize what God's done for us and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us and that what I'm destined for is compared to where I was headed and how active he is in our lives, you should be a hallelujah from head to toe. There is a joy that goes with salvation. And you cannot experience that joy. You cannot experience that joy if you're living in guilt and disobedience. Psalm 51. So what do we do about this? Psalm 51. Here's David. David blew it big time. David made it back big time. Psalm 51, verse 10 through 12. David said, create in me a clean heart. And that word create is the same word used back in Genesis and creation. It's a new thing. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Y'all need to mark these verses down because you're going to need them like daily. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. When we repent of sin. Listen to me. When we repent of sin. One of the things that happens. We get cleansed. We get renewed. Uh, we get reassured that we're not going to be cast out of his presence. He's not going to take his Holy Spirit from us. But he also does the Hebrews even tells us this. He's able to even cleanse your conscience from dead works so that we can worship and serve the living God. That's a wonderful thing. But then also he said this, that he would restore to you the joy of salvation. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19 in the Amplified Bible, it says, so repent. Everybody say repent. Repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean so that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you repent, there's a refreshing that will come to you. And you know what? When you repent, when you turn from this and you turn to God, there's a refreshing. He'll restore the joy and there's a refreshing that comes from that. And that refreshing will get, will wipe away and get you out of the depression that you're going to have as a result of disobedience and guilt. Isn't that good news for anybody? All right. Second thing is this social, social, everybody say social. Um, by need, and, and I've shared this with you, every individual, we've talked a lot about this lady, uh, lately, every individual has three essential needs, intimacy with God, intimacy with others, and self-worth. You need those things. 
Everybody say, I need those things. You need intimacy with God. I don't care who you are. You need intimacy with God. Let's redefine intimacy again. It's safe. It's close. It's warm. And you need that with God. You need that with other people. You've got to have people in your life that you can have safe, close, warm in your life. And then self-worth is is another issue that we'll talk about. But this is a need in our life. And if social is messed up, if this part of our life is messed up, then you're going to be messed up concerning depression. And it's not just that you have people in your life. It's that you've got the right people in your life. There are four types of people. Adders. Subtractors, multipliers, dividers. Now you're going to live and work and move and shop and everything else with all of them. But the ones that you want to get safe and close and warm with are adders and multipliers. I've shared this with you a lot, but how many of you see, you see some people coming or you see some people on your caller ID and you're like, oh no. (laughs) Right? Don't look at them. Just go. And how many of you know that other people, you see them coming or or they're on caller ID and you're like, oh, come on. And I guarantee you they're adders and multipliers. And we've got to have those in our life. Now, in Genesis, it said that it is not good that man would be what? would be alone. Not good that man would be alone. Everything else about creation, the Lord says was what? It was good. It was good. But he said, but it's not good that man be alone. And then in uh, Psalm 133 verse one, it says, behold, how good, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So it is good. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, which one way we could look at it is there's some adding and multiplying going on. There's some good things going on. How good and pleasant that is that we have folks that we can interact with in that way. The whole New Testament is about one another. Listen to me. The whole New Testament is not about heaven. The whole New Testament, mostly the bulk of it is how you treat one another. How you care for one another, that you pray for one another, that you bear with one another, that you forgive one another, that you love one another. It, all of those things. It's a one another gospel that we, that we really live in. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So listen, if you isolate yourself, listen to me, that's not wise and it's not healthy. It's not wise and it's not healthy. Well, it's just my personality. No. Uh, And I understand that different personalities do different things. You know, we'll have a whole bunch of people over at the house for some kind of big whatever. And and I remember this, especially we would have a big holiday event down at my mother-in-law's or whatever. And, And you've got all these people and all these different types of personalities. And they'll tend to clump up together. And at times, I can totally entertain myself. I'm quite secure, quite comfortable to just be by myself, really. I don't mind being by myself, but I need people. And you need people. 
Some people cannot be by themselves, and I worry about that. And then others are only by themselves, and I worry about that. Because it's not wise, it's not healthy. Ecclesiastes even talks about, you know, if you're by yourself and you fall. But if you have somebody with you, they can help you. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. If you're feeling some of these things, feeling depressed and so forth, especially if you're prone to it in more of a sustained heavy thing, don't isolate yourself. Go to church. Go to work. Uh, go to the store. Go watch a ball game. Go get with some people. Get, get you will find that if you have to interact with people, it, it will bring your level up. But if you just isolate yourself and so forth, not good, not wise, not healthy. We are by nature and by creation social creatures. We are. There are shows that were extremely popular. Cheers, Friends, Seinfeld. Why are they so popular? I'll tell you why. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. And that's all. Stop right there. You want that. Church should be a place like that. I'm telling you, church should be that. I mean, when you walk in here, people should go, Norm! Or whatever your name is. All right. Y'all, y'all here? Some of y'all are choking because I used a show about a bar. I'm not talking about the bar. I'm talking about social interaction. The people need people. Why do people join gangs? I need somebody. I need family. I, I've, got, I've got to be involved. I've got to be connected. I've got to have intimacy. I've got a place where I'm safe and somebody cares for me, knows my name. I'll change my name. I'll write my name on my skin. Serious. Serious. I'm not, I'm not playing at all. This is real deal stuff. People want to be a part. People need to be a part. And the family of God had better be that. And, and the family of God cannot just be known for what we're against. Get over it. Let's show them what we're for. That we love people and Jesus is able to help anybody. And get out of, well, that's a whole nother sermon. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, he also was a Nazi resistor. He also got in trouble because he was trying to take out Hitler and a theologian. He said this, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The physical presence of another believer brings incredible, incomparable joy and strength to a believer. You, you, whether you know it or not, get charged by one another, by being with one another. And some people more than others. Some people also can drain you. And you want to be careful where you dock that boat. Amen. Let's go to one more here tonight and we'll hit this kind of quick. Spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. Let me do one other thing back on social. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another, one another. 
in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, especially during the summer, as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's not the gathering of ourselves together. It's the assembling of ourselves together. It's a powerful thing. And we need that recharging that comes from just being in in one another's presence as well. Spiritual. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me put it another way. Let the redeemed of the Lord act like it. Let the redeemed of the Lord look like it. Did you know that it actually will help you? It triggers some chemicals in you when you throw your face or your countenance into happy mode. Did you know that it actually helps you? Actually, chemically, you are affected when you lift up your countenance. Some of y'all on your sad sack self... Need to go in your bathroom and look in the mirror and crank it up. I'm serious. You will feel, you will feel sensation. You feel sensation of your body. Something's going on there that actually will help you. Now you need more than that. You can't just go there. I'm better. No, but lift up your countenance. This is your billboard. It's your face. You know, I'm convinced some Christians chase off other people. It's the righteous patrol. I don't want any sin around me. Let the redeemed of the Lord act like it. We've been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Now, let me tell you this real quick, and then I'm going to hit two things and I won't be able to dive into much. I just want to put them in your hands tonight. Anything that you've been redeemed from, if it comes around again, you must resist it. Anything you've been redeemed from, if it comes back around again, you must resist it. Here's one way to put it. I refuse to pay that bill that has been paid. If they, if if you're trying to get double billed for something that Jesus paid off for you. You are to resist that. You don't just get, so, well, I feel very, this heaviness, this, 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 and I, and I'm not mocking all. Well, I'm telling you, you've got to position yourself to resist this spiritually. Here's your receipt and you better keep your receipts. You know what your receipts are? Your promises. He, he himself, he himself in Isaiah 53 verse five. Get this, and I'm going to quote this from the Amplified Bible. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was upon him. Jesus paid the price so that you and I could have peace. There are other scriptures as well that I am redeemed. Everybody say, I am redeemed. You are redeemed from depression. So if you've been redeemed from it, then when it tries to come on you, you must resist it. 
What if, what if somebody just kept sending you a bill and you said, I paid this thing. You better have a receipt. And you better speak up about that receipt. Amen. All right. Well, how do we do this spiritually? First of all, James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God. Resist. Everybody say resist. Resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. How many of you want him to flee? I said to you last week, he's always going to be wanting to ride along with you. He's trying to convince you that it's okay to ride along with you. And I want you to know something. If you let him ride along with you before long, he's wanting to drive. One of the ways that you resist anything, you ready for this? Is to ignore it. So if every day, every morning you get up and there's the devil with a whole backpack of depression. (laughs) Ignore him. Just keep going. Okay. Now you say, well, I can't ignore this. No, you're going to have to train yourself to do this and start to get on over into other things. I'm not saying pretend you don't feel what you feel. I'm saying, let's get involved with some of these other things, but resist him. I've taught you this over the years. I just want to go over it again. Okay. I had to use this uh, day before yesterday. When you start to feel that heaviness, Isaiah describes it as a spirit of heaviness. Among other causes and sources of depression can be a spirit of heaviness. That the enemy who hates your guts will sometimes just park this funky little cloud into your heart and your mind. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? And you can't really trace it. You know, because sometimes you say, well, I'm feeling this way because of that. Because I'm facing this. Because they said that. Because I did this. Whatever, whatever it would be. But I'm telling you, sometimes there's just this heaviness. And here's what you do. In the name of Jesus, leave me now. Can we practice it one time? In the name of Jesus, leave me now. Now, and if you got to do it a couple of times, do it a couple of times. Listen, you do not have to put on camouflage. You don't have to go grab a, a sword and a shofar. You don't have to raise your voice. You can just stand there because it's not about all those things. It's about the authority that is in Jesus name. And you lock in on that in the name of Jesus. That's flashing your badge. In the name of Jesus Leave me now. And then go on your way and start thanking God for things and so forth. But that's one of the things. Let me do one other thing real quick. Jude, verse 20. But you, say that's me. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up. That means that you uplift You edify, you take higher. Isn't that contrary to depressed? Now, let me tell you, depression can just push you down or it can shut you down. And what we're wanting to do is not be down. And if we are down, I'm either up or I'm what? Or I'm getting up. And one of the ways to edify yourself spiritually. Did you know that the real you is a spirit? I don't want to scare anybody tonight, but the real you is a spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So the body's not you. Take good care of it, feed it well, rest it well, exercise it, and, you know, make it look okay. 
You have a soul. We've been talking about that, but you are a spirit. And you build yourself up from the very core of who you are by praying in the Holy Spirit. Some, some uh, commentaries want to explain that away and say that's just praying fervently. That's just, uh, that's just on the inside, getting your heart and soul into it. And I don't, I don't take away from that. But I also know there's a wonderful, beautiful gift that we have from heaven that God has given us. And it's a prayer language. I spent 23 weeks last summer and fall on a whole series about the Holy Spirit. And I talked about this. And so whatever your tradition or background, don't be afraid of this. If it's in the Bible, I want it. If somebody's acted weird about something before, you know what? I've seen people drop ice cream cones. I've seen people throw Cokes at each other. But I still want both of them. Y'all hear me? People have gotten bad haircuts before. I still need one. Okay. We still come. And, and those are light. Those don't even compare to the fact that there's a wonderful prayer language. One of the reasons that it builds up your most holy faith is because it's not touched by your thoughts. And it's to pray in the spirit. First Corinthians says that your, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. And you just rest with that and you allow that to happen. And I love this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives us our prayer language, this praying in the spirit and that you can take some time. You know, it's one besides uh, shampooing and conditioning. It's one of the things I do in the shower (laughs) and driving and sitting and different and allow your spirit by the Holy Spirit within you to pray. And when, we're, when we dismiss in just a little bit, if you don't have your prayer language, I want to invite you to come down and we'll be glad to pray with you. It's a gift from God. And God would be glad to give that to you. And it will help you and it will build you up. And there are times, listen, there, there are times where it's just like, oh, what's this? And I'm telling you, the remedy, the cure has been to pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, what about, what about, hey, It works. You know, it's amazing the things people buy into. You know, if you eat shark cartilage and have a chihuahua, you'll never have asthma. Where'd you come up with that? Somebody told my mom that she had asthma. You need to eat shark cartilage and get a chihuahua. Guess what mom did? Got shark cartilage and the worst dog we ever had. But if you know something will help or you just believe, well, I know five people. Who are they? Well, I can't remember them, but it helped them. People will go, well, listen to me. I'm your pastor. Hopefully you love me, trust me, and know that I'm my, I'm telling you the truth here. The praying in the spirit will build you up and it's one way to Keep your holy faith and your spirit high and good and strong. And I would not want one day without it. Not one day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen. All right. We've got so much more on this, but I'm trying to lay it out just week after week. Some things to help you. First thing is God is your help. He's your refuge. He's your strength. He's your joy. 
He's going to help you so, so much. Do not live with this stuff on you. Get it off of you. And I've shared a few ways tonight to help you with that. We'll continue to do that over the next few weeks. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? All right. Good deal.